It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favor to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of the call in the Apple podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Hi everybody, it is Tuesday afternoon time for the call 60 minutes where, <coughs> excuse me, we analyse 10 stocks that you've suggested. I put them to an expert panel for their adjudication and uh, great to have on board uh, Gary Glover from Novus Capital joining the team today. Gary, good to see you mate. Thanks, yep. And uh, Mark Morlan from Team Invest joins us as well. Mr. Morland, how are you, sir? You well? Um, I'm, I'm extremely well. And if you slip up and call me Howard today, that's just fine. <laughs> uh, he's, locked in, he's locked in the dark at his place in uh, a two-day blackout. Oh, it's, it's wow. It's the price you pay. It's the price right. you pay for living on the north side. All right. So, uh, so you're on higher ground, are you? Yes, that's right. <laughs> I am. High, high ground as Sydney uh, goes through the deluge once more. He's not flooded, though, is he, Mark? No, Nothing no, he's serious? just got no power. No, he's got no power. He's very unhappy. Right. His computers are flat. His fridge is warm. It's all it's all bad news, apparently. So. Right, okay. <laughs> Loving it. Um, and Gary, you've been telling me, because you're a madman, you've done the, the half marathon recently. You love this for running, these uh, rain events. Yeah, I just thought I'd uh, get uncomfortable. Get out, uh, yeah, get out there and... Uh, <laughs> Don't stop. You know, I think if I stop, I'll, uh, it'll be uh, it'll be all downhill. Yeah, yeah. Oh, geez. All right. Okay. Well, uh, we're going to put you through your paces here today. Before we get into your ten stocks, I always come up with uh, a stock of the day, a stock that's uh, in the news. Thought we'd take a look at Sigma Healthcare returning to paying dividends after the company swung to a profit of nearly sixty million dollars. Revenues coming in at. Uh, over three billion as it navigated through the pandemic without the need for uh, for JobKeeper. Um, we'll be speaking to Sigma Healthcare Chief Executive Mark Hooper this afternoon. Catch that interview here on Ausbiz at 3 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time. But uh, Mark Muller, what did you think of the uh, the Sigma result? Well, it was a good result, and basically what they've done is they've got back to where they were three years ago. So their, their earnings in 2016 were uh, 58.3 million. So uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're basically right back where they were. So they've had a, they, they've been around those numbers. If you look back over 10 years, uh, that's about the average number they, they get. This is a very, right. it's a reliable business usually, but it's an uninspiring business. The, the whole pharmaceutical wholesale area is, is, well, it's very competitive and there's three major competitors. Um, EBOS is the biggest one and API is the, uh, the other one, similar size to Sigma. 
Um, what, it, what it is doing though is it means that with these new earnings numbers, it means the PE is actually quite low. My, my rough calculation is about 11 um, at the moment, which historically that would be quite cheap for the company. So, you know, if, and I'm not sure what's uh, happened with the share price today, whether it's jumped up or not. Um, so it, it's relatively cheap for the company, but it's an uninspiring company from our point of view. It's a pretty, you know, pretty mediocre uh, performer. The return on equity is below 10%, which is our minimum, but we actually don't really like the, sec the whole sector. And we spent time yesterday on EBOS uh, with our members in Sydney, and that's the best of the three on financial metrics, and we failed that. Right, oh, as well. okay, all right. So, uh, as I know on Sigma, Gary, what did you think of Sigma? Yes, look, the result actually was, as Mark said, it was actually quite good. Obviously, the sales are up uh, almost 5%. Obviously, the net profit was up more than double that, so I think 29 mil. So, in terms of the valuation there, it's not, not expensive here. Um, so, it's quite interesting that the thing actually we actually showed in that chart there was that uh, since 2018, stocks trade between, I think it's like 45 cents and 74 yeah. cents. So, yeah. the stock's really been in a in a holding range here for for, for, for the best part of three yeah, years. Look so at, look at that, the five yeah. year, it is just flat. So it's flat, it? so yeah. And and back right at the start of that five year chart, up to $1.50. That's so. right, so, so so really being in a big basing sort of pattern here. So that is actually interesting in, in itself there because often sometimes stocks can take a long time to form a base. And then once they break out of that base, then they can continue on. So. There's an improvement in the fundamentals at the moment. The, uh, the valuation is not expensive. Yeah. So, but it's, as Mark said, it's had a history of sort of going up and down. It did this restructure a year ago. That's obviously you know, got some um, improvements there, got some good metrics there. So that's a step in the right direction. So uh, if the stock can actually break out of this, in the short term, as I said here, if it goes above 70 cents, that'd be a positive. But if it gets above 74 cents, which is pretty much where it's been at for three years, the, right. the, the sort of ceiling, if you can break above that, that will be a great sign technically. So mm. a lot of technical traders would see that breaking out of that. Okay, but see, it got up to 74 That's last right. month, or the middle of January, it's hit a, the ceiling and then yeah. come back down again. So it's had three or four attempts around that sort of 70, right. 74 level. Right. If we close above that level and there's a bit of conviction, a bit of buying there, then right. that'll, that'll be a positive there. Sometimes these bases can take a long time to uh, to establish themselves, but right. we can see here there's there's signs of life here, right. and there's reasons as to why the company might be on the mend here. But it's like you know you want to see it's like you know uh, oftentimes you want to see two or three positive reporting zones. So right. so if we see another, you know, if we get another report here in the positive, then yeah, possibly this stock can get going here. So it's all about sort of price level here now, sort of actually getting you know getting right. some positive results and and breaking out of that level because I think a positive close above 74 right. will be probably taken okay. pretty well by the market so yeah so you'd be a no now but if it gets above 74 it's worth it's on my watch list because this is like a three-year base okay and if we look at the measurement of that base it's what 45 to 74 that's like 30 cents right so if we typically when you break out of a base like that yep. you, your movement is is the size of the range yeah so that's a 30 cent range okay so if we break out of we break above 74, we're generally going to go to 104 or something like that. So right. like a 30 okay. cent move. That's that's oh. the technical measurement. So it's a pretty decent move. Yeah, absolutely. So, so we can be prepared to wait a few okay. weeks or a month or a few months for that sort of break. So, so you're going to watch it. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's start getting into the stocks you want us to have a look at. And first one up, Gabby wants a view on Premier Investments. Gary, of course, Premier Investments is Solomon Lou's. 
uh, sort of listed retail conglomerate. They they own um, brand names like uh, Smiggle, uh, Peter Alexander, Just Jeans, Dotty. They own a big stake in the Breville Group as well. Um, Mark McGuinness, who was the chief executive, is is given twelve months' notice to step down from his role of more than ten years. What That's you, right. Yeah. Look, look, it's a great business. Been you know uh, very well managed. So yep. um, yeah, I mean, there's there's real success behind this business and the brands there. The, the issue I've got here is the valuation. So we're currently on a PE around twenty seven current earnings. We've got a bit of a um, we've got a jump in earnings this year. Um, so there's a there's a few sort of um, I think there's a subsidy there from the, um, from the Breville purchase and, yep. and also some COVID subsidies as well, which are going to boost the P&L, which a lot of retailers have given back. Yep. I'm not sure um, Premier has. Premier haven't so far. So yep. that, that really has sort of got a jump in earnings here at the moment. So if we look forward here, I think um, it's averaged around sort of 20 the PE, but we're sort of, we're, we're sort of trading on um, around 20 times sort of 22 earnings. Yep. So we're already sort of pricing <coughs> in. A bit of forward growth here, so yeah, it's just not going to have a sweetest you know year as it had this year because of. Um, so it's yeah, it looks kind of fully priced here to me. Look, it might go slightly higher here, but not a lot of value here for mine okay. here. It's sort of yeah, a great business, but you sort of got to buy this at at lower prices, I think. All right, and uh, what this time last year it got to, down to eight dollars thirteen, and it's now twenty three forty nine. Yeah, so. yeah, it's phenomenal. <laughs> so, it's not phenomenal riser. Yeah, incredible. So. Yeah. Uh, Mark, uh, Premier, I think, is an old favourite of yours, isn't it? Uh, uh, a uh, Walsh winner? No, no, never has been. Um, right. I respect uh, Solly Lou's uh, business business acumen. This is a, a retail business in the rag trade, which is a tough area, and there are corpse and skeletons all over the place in this business. Um, he's, um, uh, he's run it very, very well. Uh, you mentioned Breville. Now, I think they own, they own a significant stake yeah, in Breville. 28%. Yeah. which has done very, very well. So that's helped them. Yeah. And Smiggle's done all right for them too, has it? That's right. Any, that's right. any grandparent or parent would know Smiggle does flaming well. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, I think as retail goes, they've done, as uh, Gary said, they have uh, had a good year with an increase in sales and so on. It's not as good as what a lot of the other retailers have done, though. So if you look at JB Hi-Fi, uh, AX1, Harvey Norman even, they've all had absolute stellar years through coronavirus. So um, Solilu's uh, business hasn't done as well. And I totally agree with Gary. It's actually on quite a high PE at the moment compared to those other retailers I was just mentioning. So the upside's a lot better on those. So if I was going to, have, if I was going to put money in retail, and by the way, I'm quite happy to, um, this wouldn't be my choice. Uh, we're showing it returning about 12% per year over the next five years on our default settings. On our more conservative margin of safety, it's about 4%. Uh, and that's about half of what uh, JB Hi-Fi and uh, AX1 are. So, okay. so uh, it's a very solid company, nothing wrong with it. Uh, just a bit, just too expensive at the moment for my liking. Right. Um, in this area, um, you're a big fan of, of Nick Scarley, aren't you? And, and JB yes. Hi-Fi and groups like that. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, well, they're, they're the best retailers in the country. And I think uh, at the moment, like AX, AX1, for instance, is opening, they were going to open 50. Now they're talking about nine, they've opened over 50 and they're opening 90 stores uh, this wow. year. So they're totally bucking the trend. So as, as a lot of independent retailers have closed down and gone away, they're filling the void, obviously, on very advantageous uh, rental deals as well. Uh, and they're expanding. 
yeah, yeah. No, it's a but great story. All those companies one. have very good management, yeah. um, which we like. Okay. All right. Now, uh, Charles uh, wants a view, Mark, on uh, on Altium. They're the the big software designer, um, uh, cloud-based software. Altium three six five is their platform. Um, it's a big enterprise platform for big organisations, isn't it? They've got uh, customers like Boeing and Microsoft, NASA, uh, Tesla are all. Uh, um, are all customers of, of theirs. What do you think of Altium? Uh, it's a business I know well, and we know we've uh, spent quite a lot of time with management over the years. Uh, we're not as enthusiastic about it as we used to be. Uh, they, what basically what they do is they provide a, like a CAD design system for designing integrated circuit boards. So it's very specialised and it's quite a niche business. Uh, there's only sort of three players. There's two other American firms that uh, compete with them. They've got the best product arguably in the world, um, and the 365 product you mentioned, that's their new, uh, new SaaS type product, which is, is designed to provide a holistic view of the design and bring collaboration in with other people within the company. And also, ideally, what they want to do is be able to specify the components that you've designed and price it and potentially fulfill the orders. So they're trying to do a vertical integration on uh, building integrated circuit boards, which is very ambitious. And they've been working on it for about three years. Uh, we saw we spoke to the chairman a couple of months ago and he said it was being much harder than they thought it was going to be. <laughs> surprise, surprise. He had to actually pull it off. Um, so it's not really a high tech company. This is a company that's been around for 30 years. And when they originally designed their software to, to help uh, design integrated circuit boards, it would have been revolutionary in those days and it would have been really a high tech company. It's actually quite a mature business now. And I think they're trying to reinvent themselves a bit um, it, to work in this new SaaS type environment. And I think they're finding it quite challenging. The biggest problem with it is it's, uh, it actually came out with sort of a poor, very poor earnings result, which they blame Corona for. So their earnings growth rate has now dropped down to a negative growth rate, which is not good. And they're on 120 PE. So you're paying a very, very high multiple for a company, which I think a lot of people just, just assume it's a high tech company and they should buy it. Whereas in reality, it's not such a high tech company and it's got plenty of challenges. Right. Okay. Um... Gary, what do you think of Altium? I notice uh, Credit Suisse is, uh, follows it and put a, a price target of 35 bucks on it. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, UBS around 34. So there's a few higher levels there. There's a few, yeah. there's a bit of a mix as well. I think Bell Potter's at 28.50. So there's a, there's definitely a, a variance in views there. Right. I'm with Mark here. I mean, it's really, so eight years of double digit growth. And then we had this first half decline here recently at 4%. So that's a bit of a concern when you're paying so I think it's, uh, Mark mentioned 100 odd there, but I think I've got around 70 times next next year, I think 65 on 21 and then 56 times on 22 earnings. And that's that's forecasting 36% growth in 21 and 33% wow. growth in in oh, 22. Okay. So they're, they're, they're sort of, um, you know, they're pretty high earnings per share growth um, yeah. already, uh, you know, sort of um, in the mix here. So look, you know, Good stocks always trade on high PEs there, but you've really got to be kicking goals. So I think the the, the, the decline in the first half here, you know, whether it's COVID or not, I mean, there's plenty of businesses that are, that are, that are shining through COVID. That's, yeah. It's a bit of a concern that it, that it isn't. Yeah. So um, I just look at the technical picture as well. I noticed that the we had that uh, move down to 23.11 in March, and then we've made a lower high, and now we're sort of heading back down again. Yeah. When, I, when I normally see that sort of picture on the, on the charts and technicals, 
that tells me it wants to go back and retest that low and go lower than the 23.11. So yeah. I, I think it's sort of heading towards $20 here on the on the charts here. So I just right. wouldn't go near it here. I think it's going to go lower. So, okay. um, so I'm, I'm quite interested in Mark's view there actually about some of the issues that we've got on because that, that sort of corresponds with the technicals and, and yep. the data as well. So okay. yeah. All right. There you go, Charles. Uh, thank you for sending in Altium for a, a look at. Um, Gary John wants a view on rectifier technologies. Now, John says it's return on equity and return on asset figures are pretty good, although its revenue is down in 2020. Um, that should be expected in this industry. It's uh, designs, manufactures and supplies electronic products for, for power rectifiers. Um, so it's right into this um, industrial area, uh, power supplies for electronic vehicle, electric vehicles and the like. Um, what do you think of Rectifier? Yeah, so based in Burwood, Victoria, um, yeah. 45% shares held by Insiders, which is, which is good. Good thing, yeah. Uh, market cap 50 mil, but uh, revenue down 37% for the year, which is not so good, down to 6.7 mil. So it's not, not a big market cap. Yeah. Um, net profit was only and pretty illiquid by the look of it. Yeah, <laughs> so net profit was only what uh, half half a mil basically. So, yeah, so mentioned sort of some COVID issues there, but um, you know what what is a growing sector here at the moment? You know, um, electric vehicles components. Uh, the results are pretty pretty disappointing. So, you definitely want to be seeing. Um, look, the the plus that I saw there was there seems to be pretty reasonably sort of tight cost structures within the business. So. Yeah. Um, a lot of these firms have got massive blowouts and costs and stuff there, so yep. that's probably the that's the plus is that they're keeping a tight yep. rein on the business. But yep. but revenue down thirty seven percent is not that's not jumping out at me. That's not a stock that I want to be looking <coughs> at there. So I want to be seeing revenues and the uh, and the earnings been growing here. So we're just not seeing that. So it's an avoid for me currently. Okay, yeah. uh, Mark. Uh, yes, I concur with that. And you've got to remember, this is actually, a, as Gary pointed out, a very small company. And they're operating in uh, Singapore and Malaysia as well, which I'm assuming they've got people there. So when you have when you have such small uh, profit numbers and, you know, like you know, a million-ish, that's a, you know, for a publicly listed company with the overheads associated with that as well, it's pretty finely poised between making any profit and making a loss. So even though their return on equity and return on capital is quite good, um, I, I think the... Um, uh, the business is too small. Their total revenue is 16 million, you know, which is uh, now they are operating in a uh, what's become a prospective area for them. They they've been around uh, and doing um, rectifiers. I think what they I don't think they're doing anything within the car. I think it's the power, uh, the charging uh, uh, stations, what they're interested in. But going on those figures, it doesn't sound like they're selling many. So I'd, I'd need to understand a lot more about the business model and what their strategy is going forward to be able to really have an opinion on saying you'd consider buying it. For us, it's a bit too small. Okay. I would say quite a bit. Yeah. All right. Too small for you. What about um, uh, Mark Peter wants a view? Now, I haven't heard of this company. Is it Oracoba, um, which is a, um, a, a lithium uh, a lithium carbonate sub, uh, supplier also produces boron. Um, do you know much about it? Uh, not much. I've, I've, I've had a look. They've, they're mainly operating in Argentina. It yeah. sounds like they're doing lots of things and they've got lots of mines and they should be making lots of money. So if I read the descriptions, it all sounds exciting. And then when, you, when I then look at it uh, and they're actually what their numbers are, um, they're, they're losing a lot of money is basically the, the bottom line. 
So if you look at the losses, um, I'm just looking at 10 years. In the 10 years, it looks like there's only been three years they've made any profit at all, and then it's only since. So uh, they're not they're not converting uh, what they're doing into anything resembling a return to shareholders. And I'm not sure how long they've been going for, but I've got 10 years history. And at the moment, they're running at a loss. Surprise, surprise, even though sales have increased by 30% um, in the uh, last couple of years. So sales are going well, but their earnings are going the other way, which means it tends to infer that their costs are growing faster than their sales, which is always a very bad sign. Uh, in the lithium space, our favourite uh, player is uh, Mineral Resources, which is not a pure play lithium business, but it's run by Chris Ellison, who's a brilliant entrepreneurial CEO, and he's um, he's already sold one of his lithium assets to uh, called Wajina to uh, Albemarle, which is an American company for 1.2 billion US, yeah. and, and I think his all-in costs are about 30 million or something, and he get, and he still get 40%, and he gets 40% free carry-on. Um, Albemarle's uh, lithium hydroxide plant that's being built in Kemperton in WA at the moment. So that's a quality business and doing, doing brilliantly well. So if I wanted to have exposure to lithium, uh, that's where I would be. Okay. All right. Gary? Yeah, nice. Right. I mean, like 1.66 billion market cap, uh, first half revenue, 35 mil. So pretty, uh, pretty large. But, yeah. but you look at that chart too, at yeah. share prices being... I think, I think it's one of the biggest lithium... Um, Oh, it might be the second or third largest. I think it's um, yeah. It's got it's got a massive um, deposit there, obviously in in Argentina. I mean, just look at the broker valuations here. We've got UBS six seventy, J P Morgan five forty, Morgan Stanley four ten, two ninety for Macquarie. So oh wow, really? You know, normally sort of yeah, the stocks are a little bit tighter in the in the vale. So real real disparity between the valuations here. Um, but look, the, the plus is that the lithium price is on the is on the up. So that's yeah. increasing at the moment. You definitely got the the story is on the up. Obviously, everyone wanting to get into the sort of uh, lithium space around the right. uh, electric vehicles. But again, I have this view around sort of commodities that they're all sort of each you know the the basket doesn't move too much, but the individuals will move a lot. Right. So um, so so whatever's in flavour. So we've seen oil have a really great run. Yep. Now it's starting to cool, and we've seen gold being in a decline for the last six months, and now it's starting to breathe a life here. We've had iron ore run for a while and now starting to cool as well yeah. so i just think you'll see rotation between right. all the different metals yeah. so and they metals generally go in cycles too don't they, they do they do i mean there's like you often have these super cycles there but they're, they're like once in a 30-year events right oftentimes uh, you know you find with commodities that um the commodity price can stay dormant for like a decade or two decades yeah and then there's like this massive spike so if you look at a you know 100 year commodity chart it's like looking at the heart machines like flat right. line and beep you know, flat line right. and big. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. so you're really sort of you're waiting for those sort of big events there. So yeah. we've seen a few smaller moves here, but just seeing rotation, the basket's actually not moving too much, yeah. but the individuals are actually having a run and then cooling off and then running cooling off. So the fact that uh, lithium's had a great little run here, all the stocks are pretty vertical at the moment. Yeah. Uh, you know, looking at those numbers too, is some risk. I know it's a big, big deposit there, and you're talking about ramping up production and you know maybe there's that, that Fortescue sort of growth sort of story behind it a little bit, but yeah. It's um, the fact that the brokers are all over the shop here tells you that uh, it's pretty hard to value. Okay. So, all right. yeah, too hard. Okay. All right. And, and that's, that's a consideration. That's a filter. I know Mark's talked about this before, but by the sound of it, you too, uh, Gary, that, that if you only have 20 stocks in your portfolio out of the yeah. how many thousand listed on the market, um, if there are ones that are just too hard to understand, there are plenty of simpler 
yeah. ones to back. Yeah, and, that, and yeah. that's the choice you make as an investor. Yeah, and if you're sort of playing, yeah, I, I, you've got to have a view as well. My, my view on commodities is that the basket's going to rotate, so yeah. I'm kind of looking for the basket or the the, the, the metal next one, the one that's out of favour. So I've actually been looking at gold here oh. in the last couple of weeks because it's had six months of actually going in a decline, yeah. and we started to see a little bit of accumulation, a bit of volume come in. A few, few of the stocks that have been sort of flatlining starting to sort of pop up oh, here. Okay. So, all right, yeah, interesting. All right, uh, Gary Liv wants a view on on Seek, the big uh, online um, sort of matching candidates, uh, online employment uh, business, not only here in Australia but uh, overseas. Uh, we've got some of the um, founders sort of stepping back. New yep. chief executive recently appointed couple of issues in um, in their business in China that have come under the microscope in the last six months. That's right, yeah. So I think it, um, look, it, it's a hard one here because you've sort of got the, like the earnings, are, like it's, it's pretty high valuation at the moment. So I think the PE is around in the 90s. Right. So pretty, pretty pricey, but there's been a few issues currently. So the earnings are not there. So obviously talking about, so if you look forward here, the earnings are set to improve quite dramatically and improve all the way through to so I think we've got what, 27.8 cents going to what 28.9 is a slight improvement this year, but then a big jump up to 48.7 cents right. next year. So that's a big jump in right. earnings um, forecast for the following year, and then a big jump again in 23. So the market's got to look a little bit ahead here, um, but <coughs> valuation still still pretty high. So if we look at the broker vales, I mean we've got UBS sitting at 32 dollars, and we've got Macquarie sitting at 23.60, and everyone else in between. So right. again, again, we've got a really disparity between views here. So yeah based on the valuations and market. You yeah. know, so look, to me, the valuation's a little high here. I, I'd like to be spying a little lower, but it's, it's hard to value because the curve is, is gonna be on the down here, and then the next couple of years, we're gonna, gonna jump back up again. So right. a lot of that will come on how, how, how well that, you know, is that on schedule. So yeah. whether um, they yeah. meet those. Yeah, so some brokers are probably sitting slightly above, slightly below here. Uh, it's hard that we've had a couple of tough years because of COVID. You're forecasting yeah. ahead here, um, yeah. so you're making some okay. big assumptions. So just just making it harder value here. I think just because the the current value is pretty high, I I, I think it's, a, it's probably a sell here. But okay. it's a great business, and it, yeah, there is going to be a curve at coming. So it's probably right. one to sort of buy on a bit of a <coughs> sell off here. Okay, so we have all these platforms like car sales uh, leads the the auto industry platform REA. Uh, property seek is basically employment markers that are founded by yes uh, the Bassett brothers uh, Paul and Andrew yes um, this is a company that um, team invest has liked uh, in the past um, it's not as popular as it used to be um, and the reason is the they have what we call a network moat in Australia and as you mentioned with car sales and real estate.com both of those companies dominate their uh, their specific yep. areas as seek does in the uh, employment side, so it's the it's the main game in town. But what happens to a lot of companies in Australia is once they stop, once they become the dominant player in Australia, they really have no other choice but to expand overseas you know, to keep getting growth because you need growth, otherwise the market uh, falls out of love with you really fast. So what they do is they then buy up uh, businesses overseas, which is what Seek has done, and they've typically bought businesses that are losing money, and then they're paying a lot of money for them because you have to, because any any businesses in these areas are always sexy and have very high uh, valuations built on them, and if they want to buy the whole company, then you've got to pay a premium on that as well. So the consequence of that is they've bumped their debt right up, 
Uh, and it's been high for quite a few years now, which is why we sort of lost a bit of interest in it. It's currently about 185% debt to equity. Our maximum at Team Invest is um, 75. So it's way above our maximum debt limit. And it, the actual, if you look at the um, debt to market cap, it's currently about 26%. Uh, and that's actually quite high because the banks, um, from uh, how, what we understand from bankers we know and members, uh, get agitated over 30% because it just means that if if they something happens and the share price halves from here, then their debt to market cap would go to 60%. Right. So there's a real issue being able to raise money to pay down debt if you need to. So they're really at the limits of what they could possibly carry as debt. And I think that's very dangerous is my view. So I wouldn't own it for that reason. It's currently on a P of about 100 on trailing earnings, which is also very high. And what Gary was saying about consensus views about what their growth will be. Um, admittedly, obviously, coronavirus hasn't been very helpful for them, but their <clears throat> six-year average growth has been minus 8% a year. <clears throat> so they've actually been in a decline. Earnings have been declining since uh, they peaked in 2017 and have been running down since then, and they sort of leveled off where they are at the moment. So to me, that doesn't justify anything resembling the value of the price that you're having to pay and the multiple. Now, if they do get the kind of growth that Gary said that uh, analysts are saying they're going to, well, that's going to be a very big turnaround from where they are now, isn't it? Yeah. So I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. So we don't buy things based on what analysts say for forecasts because forecast uh, growth figures are usually wrong. And uh, whether it's consensus or not, they just they just work out a number of what, what they think. And it's like, so what? You know, so uh, you, can't, you can't bank that. You can't spend a forecast. Yeah. Yeah, you can turn the multiples on now. You've got time here to to sit back and watch. You, you, want, you want to see some evidence there that they're actually starting to deliver here because it's going to be a tough road ahead here for them as well. Yeah. So yeah. Um, you're not going to see this turnaround for maybe 12 months, maybe 80 months. Yep, okay. All right, um, there you go, uh, Lib. Thank you for that suggestion. Let's uh, recap the first five stocks, plus our, our stock of the day was uh, Sigma Health. Um, uh, a no from Mark. Um, Gary, a no, but he's got it on his watch list that if it, uh, Sigma Health's um, share price gets above 74 cents, then he'll be taking a look at it because it will show a, a, a good turnaround on the charts. Premier Investments, a no from both Gary and Mark. Altium, the same. Rectify Technologies, a no. Uh, Ar- Arokaba, um, uh, a no, if you want to get into lithium um, uh, investments, uh, Mark and Team Invest prefer mineral resources there and seek a no from both as well. Here at the call, we've got our own uh, fantasy portfolio that we've been tracking since the 1st of July last year, thanks to our partner NAB Trade. Uh, if any stock gets unanimous yes from, uh, from our expert panel, it goes into the calls portfolio. If it comes up again, like Premier Investments uh, has today, and the panel says no to it, it comes out of the portfolio. So let's take a look at uh, how it's been going for the week. It's up 1%. Uh, the portfolio for the month down half a percent, and since the 1st of July up 25% or close on. Uh, some of the stocks recently added by our expert panels. Uh, super Retail, Brain Chip, Evolution Mining, Event Hospitality and Entertainment, Omni Bridgeway. Uh, some of the stocks are removed, Hanson Technologies and Calix. If you want to take a look at all the stocks in the calls portfolio, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. 
and uh, coming up uh, on the program this afternoon, Tim Fung, the uh, founder of Airtasker, joins us on the program as the company lists on the stock exchange earlier this morning. It was oversubscribed five times. Tim's been on um, Ausbiz a number of times over the last year, bringing us up to date. He's one of the great entrepreneurs. I think it's listed at a 45% premium, I think, today. So uh, it's been a good day for Tim and the other founders. Um, and Tim uh, joins Ausbiz at 1.15 this afternoon. Don't miss that one. All right, um, let's get into our next five stocks. And uh, Mark, Roger wants a view on Cadence Capital. Now, this is an investment manager, but in particular, uh, Roger is honing on into their investment in deep green metals, which has announced that it's going to, uh, to list in New York. Now, deep green metals, I'd never heard of it, but uh, uh, it actually mines rocks from the ocean floor, doesn't it, Mark? And uh, uh, some of the minerals can be used in um, electric vehicle batteries. Yeah, sounds exciting. Uh, uh, the trouble <laughs> oh, with Cadence... Uh, give us more that... excitement in your voice when you say that. Sounds, oh, sounds exciting. I mean, it, it uh, sounds not exciting. Much. It sounds exciting. I don't think so. <laughs> so, so uh, uh, I mean, maybe there's money in mining rocks on the ocean floor, but it'll be the first one <laughs> that's done it. I think asteroid mining's got pro- really good prospects as well. Uh, the problem with Cadence is their performance has been woeful. They made it. This is a fund manager who says they invest in Australian equities. They've actually got quite a few US companies as well. Uh, a sort of a mixed bag. I had a look at their portfolio. Uh, you know, a few good ones, a few not so good. Um, if you look at their returns, though, they actually made a loss last year of 10 million. It's only got about $300 million market cap. So it's actually losing money. Now, that's saying something at the moment for a fund manager because all the fund managers I know have all been doing really, really well. Uh, I mean, Magellan, uh, all of them. <laughs> you know, I don't know any that are actually losing money. So these guys are really, really standing out uh, on the, not, the lack of performance. And if you look at their returns over time, uh, we're showing them um, at. Um, well, return on equity is minus 3% a year, which is terrible. And they've got low stability. And we're looking at a return at the moment of, if you buy it at the current price, minus 8% on defaulted, minus 34% a year on safety. So it looks like a total dog. Now, whether they've got an investment in a company that's listing, I would say, so what? You know, that would only be a small part of their portfolio, and it might be a plus. But the company's performing has performed so poorly, why would you want to go near it? Right. Okay. Um, Deep Green Metals uh, accounts for 2.8% of the company's portfolio, they have said. And after the float of Deep Green, if they get the, the valuation of a, a $1.38 a share, it will um, add about 20% to the portfolio uh, value of Cadence, according to the company. Yeah, they so the, I think the pre-tax NTA is about 107. The share price was what 108 yesterday. So it's trading around the right. NTA. So it's actually doing not, not bad. Look, it's had actually a really good year, or the last eight months, um, up 35% versus index, which is up 18. But as Mark rightfully says here, the long-term performance is not very good. So three-year only averaged 2.1%. Five-year up 6.7%. So it looks like they invest in a lot of sort of smaller, um, right. sort of smaller mid-caps. So. I just sort of view it as a moment. This, this is a bit of a sweet spot currently the last year in small caps. Right. So um, this has had a good year because uh, uh, they're in the right, the right area. But as we know, historically, 
small caps have their good years and have their really bad years. So yeah. um, historically, this hasn't been a great performing fund. It's just had a bit of a sweet spot here. Yeah. If I owned it here, I'd probably be with that little deep green there, getting a little bit more on the NTA there, I'd be probably using that to exit here. As I think right. the small caps have had a really you know, little sweet move here. And you also see in the last probably three or four weeks, uh, the volumes have probably doubled, which tells me after the stock's gone from what, 30, 40 cents up to $1. ten here, yeah. that when I see volume after a big run, that tells me there's a little bit of a distribution taking place. So I'd say it's a sell up here. Okay, all right. Use this good news to get out. Yeah, yeah. There you go, Roger. Um, good analysis there of uh, of Cadence. Um, now, Gary Jenner wants a view of APN uh, Industria. It's uh, it's a REIT, uh, real estate investment trust, um, <coughs> thirty seven portfolios, mainly in that office and industrial property market. Portfolio value of about a billion dollars. Yeah, that's right. So I think there's what thirty two properties, eight hundred twenty four yep. mil. Might be. A- Couple more added on there, but yeah. Um, yeah, strong cash flows. Look, it's looks like it's sort of been uh, managed quite well here. The PE is around thirteen and a half. The yields around five point seven percent, which is pretty pretty nice. No franking in that. Yep. Um, but um, we've had ninety nine point three percent rent collections, so basically no no issues there. The, yep. the only issue I've got is that um, is that most of the companies have been looked after here uh, and into March, so. We're not going to know until after March uh, a lot of the a lot of the stimulus programs right. where the businesses have got any issues here. So it's great that um, that we that we're so far you know we're, we're collecting ninety nine point three percent of the rents. Yeah. Um, but got my concerns <coughs> about you know industrial property and office property as well, sort of here right. in the longer term. Probably more the more the office property. Um, so look, pretty good numbers there. Pretty happy with you know with the company. Uh, the metrics there just probably got some questions here as to what happens after after March here. It's just right. yeah, stocks had a pretty good run as well. So yeah, I'm just worried about this longer term here. It's just a view. I, I think there's sort of um, post um, stimulus and uh, all the yeah. JobKeeper programs things like that. I, you might just sort of start to see a little bit of hurt come right. through here. Yeah. Okay. All right, uh, Mark. What do you think of uh, APN? Um, Industria. And yes, I, 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 I overall, I should, should people be should people be a bit worried? Or when when you look at the details of REITs, do you look at when the last valuation of the portfolio was done, and whether uh, yes. there's been a valuation well, you, since COVID? You would. Um, the trouble is, it's a timing issue, and yeah. um, even as Gary said, the stimulus for JobKeeper and stuffs coming off as well. Uh, the, the two parts of their business are you know, as the offices and uh, retail. I think retail is quite dangerous in that it has, uh, at the very least, it has quite a strong headwind uh, on rent renegotiations. And we're getting feedback from the retailers we know saying they're getting very, very good deals. So rents are going down effectively. And what that means is the capitalisation rate will go down, which means the valuations will go down. Um, so it works well when rents are going up because you get an escalator. Uh, on the uh, cap- capitalisation rate and the, the value of the property goes up and in REITs that then uh, fills, gets its way into the P&L. So even though it's not a cash profit, uh, it comes in as profit. So that could easily go into reverse. I'd be very wary about, I'm, I'm wary of all the REITs at the moment, quite frankly, but particularly uh, retail. Industrial, on the other hand, and depending a bit on what type of industrial they're doing, uh, is booming. 
you know, Amazon's building a new centre which is X million square feet, and there's a whole with uh, with uh, Goodman, I think. And there's there's a lot of activity going on in uh, warehouses and distribution and so on to do with um, uh, online deliveries and internet and so on. So that, that they're booming. So it's a it, reach you can't generalise and treat them all the same. You really need yeah. to look at the uh, the underlying assets and what they're doing if you're interested. We tend not to be. Um, they also said in their description that I read that they were in affordable rental, which sounds to me that's not A grade. It sounds like B grade <laughs> or C grade yeah. uh, premises. Not necessarily a bad thing. It's just where they are. So um, I'd need to understand it more. At the moment, it's in the red of its PE range, which is in the top quartile of its normal trading range anyway. So the market's been quite kind to it in, uh, in what they're paying for it. We're showing it returning negative 3% a year going forward over the next five years, just based on its, um, on its historical performance and our calculations. Right. In that last update there, I think the, uh, there was a reval down, right. six and a half million in the, in the property. But the funds are up almost 20 mil, so it's being managed well here. But right. yeah, Mark's right here that the, if the, prop, the valuation starts to sort of uh, get revalued yeah. down here, then uh, that that will have a negative effect on the share price here yeah, long yeah. term. Yeah, and, and not just for this, all of the yeah. real estate investment. Yeah, that's that's the big concern yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not saying. Mark, I'm not saying. Sorry, Mark. sorry. I was saying I'm not saying it's a bad invest, a bad company. I'm just saying it's a uh, you know that you should be you need to be aware of that. That's all. Yeah, sure. All right. Uh, Jacob wants a view, Mark, on Optia. They're uh, a company that, that develops and commercialises therapies uh, for eye disease, as the, the name suggests, particular macular degeneration. Yeah, <laughs> I, I had a look at it. Obviously, this is above my pay grade. Um, the, the, as far as trying to understand the tech, the, the, actually what they do. But they've been doing it for a long time and they're yet to make any money. Uh, they're negative. Like last year, they lost about 25% of their capital. So I've got, a t- I've got 10 years history um, and they're not, get, they're, not, they're not getting anywhere yet. So I don't know how to comment on that other than saying that you would really need to have some belief in the story of what they're doing and that it can be commercialised successfully. Uh, because they've got, they've had ten years at it, and it's quite, speci- it's quite a specific treatment that they, they have developed. And so, I would have thought they would start getting some traction by now, but they don't seem to be. So uh, I don't know how I couldn't value it or consider what you'd pay for it. Right. Okay. Yeah, it's okay. tough on there. So, like, I mean, the phase one biotech was, you know, means you're really early, so you got a long way to go. Yeah. Phase two, you're sort of starting to get into the meat of sort of uh, real trials, and then. Uh, approaching sort of some um, metrics or some endpoints, yep. but these guys are at phase three here, so mm. they're they're nearing the you know closer to the endpoint here. So they've got um, some trials underway at the moment. They're still recruiting some patients globally, so basically doing a global trial. So, but they are sort of getting towards the end, uh, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so market cap is about what 558 mil, and look, it's as Mark says, it's hard with biotech because they can. They can be a drain. They can, you can, they can be eight to ten years. Yeah. Uh, they can go through these cycles there, sort of, uh, and then once you hit the commercial um, point, that's when you really hit the revenue button, and you yeah. can really make money. That's sort of almost everyone gets upset with the the, the bios charging so much, but they don't realise that it usually takes eight or ten years of running losses <laughs> to actually get to that point. So well, you've got to have a win at the end. From Mark saying it has been yeah, so eight yeah. to ten years, and but that yeah. phase three trials there's also a linear outcome isn't there yeah that's Which right you've got yeah. to take into account yeah. that if if it fails yep. 
people. And my, <laughs> and my reading was that it's not curative, so it's actually not looking to cure um, yep. a lot of the retinal diseases. It's basically looking to, uh, yeah. So what they're looking for is that it's, um, it becomes a standard of care. Yep. So basically it's the best thing that helps. So it may not cure the disease, but if it helps slow it, slow down, it down or, yep. or, or be a positive marker for it, yep. then it will become a standard of care. And then, then if you are for all retinal diseases become a standard of care, then that's yep. a fairly, you are. Yep. You are. So it's got an exciting potential there, but, um, and you're getting towards the end point here as well. Yep. Um, just probably have to look at how much cash and stuff is on the books here because oftentimes you've seen it with Mesoblasts, they tend to go to market, raise yeah. money, raise money. So that's that's the negative here. But yeah, we're getting towards the end. It's actually, I looked at the technicals there, it looks kind of interesting here, but when I read sort of there, there's still got a few, a bit further to go here in phase three, then I thought, okay, this is gonna probably drag on a bit longer here. But right. definitely one to sort of keep an eye on over the next sort of six to nine months and see how the trials are going. Okay, so put it as a watch to see how it goes. They, they were saying that the trials will be first quarter of this year, so hopefully. Yeah, um, and still recruiting patients as well. So that means that the testing will take a little time to yep. do the trials and then go through all the okay. other aspects of it. All right, um, Gary Glenn wants a view on Ike GPS, a small New Zealand company with operations in the US. Glenn says I've had several recent contract wins, so hopefully the uh, low daily volumes will be uh, picking up. They uh, design, market, and sell integrated GPS data capture devices and and software as well. They've signed a long-term contract with. Um, uh, an engineering service provider in, in the US communications and utilities market just recently. Yeah, so it's actually hard to get my head around this because I sort of, uh, in the end, actually I write down here sort of like, IKEA seeks to be the standard for collecting, analysing, managing, pole and overhead asset information for the, like, the utilities. So <laughs> right. looking to be sort of, um, yeah, just, whether, you know, what, what, what does that mean? So it's, yeah. look, they, they signed a few contracts there um, so far, they made a loss in 19, 1 mil, made a bigger loss, 3 mil and 20. So, yeah. um, look, the contract <coughs> size is only 700k. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so it's, it looks, still seems pretty early to me. I don't fully understand sort of their competitive advantage here or what they're, right. um, apart from sort of trying to be on every utility, um, provide more data here. But who are we providing data for? It's not, you know, just for me, it was sort of hard to sort of find their, the clear message as to who they were. The, the formerly um, Survey Lab Group, which was the old name, but look, I see Bell Potter's got a bigger target on it, but uh, it, it seemed very speculative to me. Uh, right. Not too much sort of tangible to, to jump on board at this stage. So yeah. um, although it's only got 120 mil market cap, pretty small, yeah, um, yeah I just don't fully, uh, you know, it shouldn't be that complex, you know. For me, I'm, I'm a simple broker. If I can't understand it, I'm yeah. How am I going to invest in it? Yep. Yeah. Mark? Yeah, well, I'm with Gary on that last comment about if it's if you can't understand it, don't invest in it. Um, <laughs> I, I had a good look at it. They've also got another, the two major parts of the poll business you talked about and also another company called Spike. And they said what you do with that is you take photos of things and then it will, uh, you can get all the actual measurements off it so you can work out what the size are. So which is a similar sort of thing to the Telegraph poll, but also source where you buy it and stuff. So it sounded like a retail application a bit, but, but then it went on and talked about other stuff. So it was a bit vague on who would buy that. And initially when I read it, I thought that sounds like something Google would do, you know, because Google's and uh, the, all the uh, AI and what's happening in 
uh, e-commerce and retail now is being driven by the big IT companies. So whether they've got something that can fit into that and they can sell out to one of the big players perhaps might be a possibility. And then, uh, as Gary said, the telegraph pole business, you're measuring how high the poles are and where the wires are and all this sort of stuff. You, you have zero idea of what the market opportunity for that is. But I can see one thing, though, as their sales have been increasing, their losses have been increasing faster. So right. that's a very bad sign. Yeah, so they're not, you know, I like it the other way around, where at least if they're not making money, you can say, well, <clears throat> they're on a good trajectory. And at the current rate, within two years, I'll actually make a profit. This is like, uh, they'll, have, they'll be raising more money. It's only a, a 97 mil market cap on, uh, on my figures. And last year, their return on equity was minus 42%, which basically means they burnt 42% of their money last year. Right, okay. So too speculative for us. Yeah, yeah. Um, a few indications there, but um, Glenn, if you, if you know what they do and you're an expert in the field, um, but purely on the investment metrics, um, uh, not really uh, helping Mark or Gary there whatsoever. All right, our, our final stock, uh, Mark, Kenny wants a view on Index. Um, you'd say this is what a mining supplies company is a um, helps explorers. They provide uh, uh, drilling fluid products. You know, when you dig the holes, they they help you do it and analyze it. That's right. So they're, they're very much in drilling and yep. they, they specialize in drilling fluids. <clears throat> so that's obviously lubrication and all sorts of stuff because it's very technical these days. But they also put down um, um, uh, sensors and so on in boreholes to obviously pick up temperatures and a whole range of geoscientific data analysis and interpretation, it says, which sounds very exciting. Uh, it's been around for, for a long time. Um, it's um, at the moment, it's currently, uh, if you look at their earnings, they're um, they've been, uh, well, let's see how they've been. 22% um, EPS growth over the last six years, which is not bad, uh, yep. but very low stability. So it's all over the place. Uh, sales have been average of minus 6% per year. So they're not growing uh, and their earnings jump around quite a lot, which is probably to do with um, uh, contract availability because this is a contractor. And the trouble with contractors in mining services are they tend to be very lumpy. Uh, when when there's when business is good, they can do really well, and then there's nothing happening. You don't make any money, and so yeah. on. So, uh, return on equity barely passes for us. It's on a PE of a 43, which is very high for a company that doesn't have um, uh, very strong growth. And it's you know it's uh, what else can I say? Let's see, uh, debt's not bad. Just passes on return on equity, and the stability is the main problem for us. It's only 22% stable over the last six years, and we like to have at least minimum 60% because that goes to being able to predict earnings. So if a company has very stable earnings, it's much more likely to continue on the traje trajectory uh, than a company that's all over the shop. Okay. Uh, Gary, what do you yes. think of the index? Share price is almost a five-year high. Yeah, it's a good run moment. here. So look, the EPS growth is forecast to grow 22% in uh, four-year 21 and then another 34% in 22. So um, brokers have sort of got some uh, uh, higher growth here. Um, it has, look, look, I've got here tight cost control measures, so tick, margins improved on the business, tick. Uh, you've got the backdrop of improving metrics in the sector, obviously budget spend in that area, so that's a yep. tick. Just the valuation is pretty pretty high already, so the, the broker of is a little higher. Most of them are sort of sitting between 190 and 210 here, so, sure. so they're a little bit higher on there. So and, that, and that's consistent. There's no yeah, there's, that's right, they're that all sort level. of, um, yeah, yeah, so there's not too many there, but there's... Um, it's three or four sort of sitting in that range. So 
everyone thinks it's good here. It's just just the price is getting getting fully priced here. So yep. um, yeah, so run about twenty three and a half times next year, and about seventeen and a half times the following year. But look, yeah, there's some there's some strong growth forecasts there. Right. Um, sector looks kind of sweet, so um, maybe there's some more upside here. Just <coughs> valuation looks pretty looks a bit pricey to me. So okay, yeah, still a bit high. All right. Okay. Yeah, Kashi. Sorry, Mark. Just, just to add to that too, I think it's a, there's a good point that uh, viewers should consider is this is a uh, in the mining services uh, area like this. It's a cyclical business, and where you, you, could, you could ask the question at the moment, say where we are, where are we in the current mining services uh, cycle? And yeah, you know, I'm not saying I know for sure, but we're we're, we're we, we may be at the higher end of it in a lot of ways if you look at it. And if we are, the PE should be low. So if you look at Fortescue, for instance, now Fortescue's minting money, it's on a P of about eight. And the reason right. the P is so low is people are assuming that the iron ore price is going to come down over the next few years. And then if the iron ore price is halves, then P, uh, Fortescue's P would be 16 or 17, for instance, at the current level. And that's the right way to look at it. So if you're looking at a company like this one and you're paying 43 times earnings, which is massive in mining services, you really, you really are saying, I believe that we are the, at the beginning of a major upcycle for them. And if you don't believe that, then it is really ridiculously expensive. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a good good way of looking at it. Um, thank you for that, Mark Morland uh, from Team Invest. Thank you. Wish uh, Howard Coleman all the best. Hopefully the lights come on soon. <laughs> yeah, I hope he's got, he, he can get rid of the candles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gary Glover from Novus Capital. Always great to have Thanks, you. Sir. Uh, let's take a look at uh, the last five stocks, just a bit of a recap. Cadence Capital, uh, a no from Mark. Gary at, at this price is thinking maybe take some profits. APM uh, Industrial REIT, no. Uh, Optia, uh, a no from Mark. It's going on Gary's watch list though to uh, um, just see how it pans out with its phase three trials coming up. Uh, GPS are no and Index are no from both of them as well. Uh, that's our show for today. If you'd like to uh, some, suggest some stocks that you're interested in that you might like our expert panel to run their eye over, flick us an email, the call at ausbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at TV handle. Uh, just remember all the stocks in the calls fantasy portfolio. Um, if you want to take a look at that, there at ausbiz.co forward slash portfolio. And uh, don't forget to subscribe to the Ausbiz newsletter. It has everything in it. lands on your desk at uh, five o'clock in your inbox. Uh, Scuddy's view is in it. The close of, uh, close of business, the COB podcast, subscribe to as well. Uh, and all the most popular videos. So if you want to uh, get all that information at the end of the day. It's a great summary of what's been happening in business and the market. Subscribe, ausbiz.co forward slash the COB. Startup Daily Show this afternoon from 2pm. Looks at companies that um, uh, are seeking capital in private equity markets, venture capital. Nayib Daga um, is joining the team as he launches a crowdfunding campaign for his crypto platform, Cubix. Um, that's a Startup Daily show from 2pm. Uh, that's it for the call for today. Uh, Ausbiz continues apace. Remember Tim Fung from the founder of Airtasker coming up in the next couple of minutes to uh, review Airtasker's listing today, which was uh, one of the highlights of the markets today. So don't go away. Back after this. <laughs>